You know, when I read that passage where he, Jesus is talking to them about who he is, it's such an amazing thing that when he reveals to him the, the, uh, the disciples and to Peter there who he is, and he talks about this incredible, amazing, wonderful thing that the very first thing he says is that he's the rock, but he's the rock that something's going to be built on. Now, you know, the rock, of course, is everything. Without the foundation, it would be nothing. But it's important what Jesus is building. Right? I mean, if Jesus is going to make a building, and if he's going to build on this, and what he's going to build cannot be, will not be destroyed, I think we better get in it. I think we better understand what it is, and we better engage with it. I will build my church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then he gives this power that's amazing. I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I mean, I have car keys, I have house keys, and the keys to the kingdom of heaven? That's pretty, that's, that's, that's amazing. Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. I mean, I can understand what God does in heaven and how it affects on earth. But God is telling us that we do things on earth that affect things in heaven. I mean, that's just, I don't even understand that. Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Jesus said, you know who I am. And finally, let me now explain to you what the power of this incredible truth is for. On this truth, I will build my church. Say it with me. On this, I will build my church. On this, I will build my church. As the members of the church, you will have the keys of the kingdom to bind and to loose things on earth. And when you bind them and loose them on earth, they will be bound and loosed in heaven. I don't think we have... Scratch the surface of understanding of what that means. When Jesus rose from the dead and came to his disciples, remember what he said? He said, all power, everybody say all power. All power power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things Whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you, always, even to the end of the world. Now, when he finishes up here, we we know that the continuation of the story begins in the book of Acts, Acts chapter one, right? You, we could, I could have quoted from Luke, and it would have been a little bit more seamless, but I quoted the more familiar passage. But when the Gospels are over, the book of Acts begins, the former treatise. Have I made unto thee, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach? Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. You know, when I was young, there was a lot I didn't understand about the Bible, uh, and still a lot I don't now, I'm sure. But there were, there were several things about the Bible I didn't understand. When I would hear the phrase, the kingdom of God, I just thought that meant like the way it's supposed to be. I used to think, thought that meant like, this is the way it's going to be in heaven one day when you're dead. Kind of a thing. I didn't really grasp the fact that Jesus, who was king of kings, big K, king of little K, K kings, and Lord, big L, of little L, lords, King of kings and Lord of lords. That God was asserting his authority over mankind here on earth. And that he was the king establishing a kingdom. Now you might go now, well, of course he's the king. Well, I I really don't think most people understand this. That the lordship of Christ has been declared. That the kingship of Christ has been declared. And what we are doing is we are making it known. The gospel, the good news is that the kingdom of God has come right isn't that what jesus came he talked about it all the time and i always thought every time i heard that that he meant good stuff or one day when we go to heaven kind of stuff i didn't understand the connection to me and my life and the work that god has started in me 
in my heart, but it doesn't just happen for me in my heart and when I go to heaven, but it's right now. God's building a kingdom. You know, you guys know what kingdoms are, right? There was the kingdom of, you know, France, the kingdom of England, the kingdom of Spain, the kingdom of, you know, all the, you know, wherever my son is, he can name all the kingdoms that ever were and everywhere. If you ever get a chance to talk to him, he knows everything about most stuff. And after my sermons, he helps me correct things and I read, I fix them, you know. But he was everything pertaining to the kingdom of God. Being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you've heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, what, at what time will you restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. But you shall receive power. Everybody say, I'm going to receive power. I'm going to receive power. Now, I know he didn't say that. He said Jesus was talking to them. You can even argue maybe he... Maybe, you know, it's not just me, but he's telling him, he's a man who's living on earth here. He's telling him, he's, he's telling these men, you are going to receive power. Power for what? This power that he's talking about, this power, he's going to build the church. The gates of hell should not prevail against it. I'm going to give you the power, right? The power to what? To bind and to loose things on earth and in heaven. The power of the kingdom. I think a lot of people don't really quite understand what in the world they're part of. I think they have a more, um, they have a more, I call it the McDonald's philosophy of church. It's there to help make their lives a little bit better. It's there to give them something interesting and fun and productive and clean and nice to do. That's, that's not what the church is. You shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. And the power came, right? You guys remember this? Power comes. So what happened that day? So when the Holy Ghost came, what they were waiting on, Jesus left. And now he's not there anymore. He's not there in the flesh. He's not walking with them. He's not raising the dead and casting out demons. That time's over. Whose time is it now? It's their time. And so what are they going to do? We know what happens. God births the church on this day. They're gathered together. They're gathered in the upper room, which I like to keep saying, I got to go to the upper room, Kevin. I got to go to the upper room. Still there. You can go there. Do you know that? You walk right in there. It's amazing. Do you know the tomb of David is like right there, like right beside it? They didn't know this for a long time, but the tomb of David is right there. It's on Mount Zion. It's right near the old city. You can stand in there. You can pray in there. It's, it's pretty neat. And you go, are you superstitious? No, I'm not. I just believe that it really happened. And just being able to be there something else. Just being able to be in the room. I, it, that's amazing. The power came. And what happened out day is that the church open to all nations was born, Right? What happened? They began to speak in tongues. Fire fell upon their head. This fire that reminded them of God accepting the sacrifice. Like on the Day of Atonement, they began to speak in tongues. People from everyone were around. If anybody's an expert on what happened on that day, it's me. I grew up in Pentecost. They were filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak the word, you know. And, and what was going on? God was saying, this is it. This is the beginning of the kingdom. This isn't just the kingdom of the Jews. This isn't the kingdom of just the Hebrews. This is just the kingdom of just Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the kingdom that was promised that one day was going to come. That I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. On your sons and your daughters, I'm going to do this in the last day. Say of God. The church began. That's a big day. Amen. Amen. The kingdom of God came to earth. Jesus is king of the kingdom and you're part of it. Now, we, we live in a day where I don't think anybody would argue that the family is a real thing. You got, do you guys believe the family is a real thing? Yeah. Or is it theoretical? <laughs> Trey, you mentioned you, you're married. You got some kids? Okay. Is there any theory going on, or are you really dead? You're really dead? Now, I mean, that doesn't manifest itself like in any way. Like, you don't have like traditional roles or anything, do you? No. Do you have a door on your house? Windows? 
Do you decide who comes or goes? Is, is that okay? Do you guys think he's being stingy and ungodly and weird? No. Do people just show up now? I don't know. You know, you, I know you may have the open door policy. You, know, you may have no borders, right? Okay. <laughs> so, so you got a door, right? You decide who's going to be at your table. If, if you decide everyone to come, that's you. Who decides that? I do. Why? Because you're the head of it. You're the dad. Is there anything wrong with that? Anybody here? Anybody say he doesn't have the right to do that? <laughs> Nobody, right? He's got a right to say it. Who's in his house? Who's not in his house? There's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't make him mean. That doesn't make him stingy. That doesn't make him ungodly, right? He, that's what his job is. And what God gives him in his house is he's going to rule over it. It's okay. It's okay to be that. Do your kids do whatever they want in your house? Do they, do they say, you know what? Where does it say in the Bible I'm not allowed to put chewing gum you know, in my hair? <laughs> that's one of the funniest things that ever happens to me. You ever deal with someone in church, Brother Kevin? Where in the Bible does it say? And I, I generally say, in the same place, it says that you can't put chewing gum in your hair. You know, something like that. And they go, whoo, 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 you know. You got, do you guys live in a state? Who, who, you're from Indiana, raise your hand. Come on, right? Do you, do you live in that state? Do they tell you how fast you can drive in Indiana? Or do they just, you just drive fast you want? They do? Well, what happens if you don't do it? What, they can't do anything about it, right? When the lights begin to flash behind you, do you just go, yeah, right, buddy. And the guy gets out and he pulls out his gun. You, you guys have seen what happens when people go, yeah, right, buddy, when they pull out their gun, right? They shoot them, right? You've seen it on TV. People don't like this, but, but I mean... Why do they do it? Because we're the state of Indiana. And if we turn on our lights and we tell you to pull over and we pull out our gun and we say, put your hands on your head. Where should your hands go? And I'm not speaking to you, but to libertarian people. <laughs> <laughs> real people that have brains in their heads. You know? I don't even know. Do, do, you, do libertarians pull over when the police pull? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not real political. I, I don't know. <laughs> I met some weirdo people the other day that believed in all these kids. Okay, I won't get started. We don't believe, you know, whatever. I don't know. When the lights flash, when they pull me over, when they pull a gun on me, I pull over. I do what they tell me, okay? I behave myself. Why? They have authority. The authority is real. It's actual. Does, does the state have a boundary around it? Is there, can you be in Indiana and then out of Indiana? That's possible. Isn't that amazing? So it's got real boundaries. It has real... Are, are there things you can do in Indiana that are, you can't do in Ohio? Yes. This is, this is incredible. And that doesn't bother you? You guys aren't protesting somewhere about this right now? Okay. So are you allowed to kill people here and in, in just... If you, if you just don't like somebody, can you do that? All right. You, are you following where I'm going here? Everybody say the church is a real thing. But most people don't believe it. They don't. You probably don't. And you might go, oh, yes, I do. I, I, I go to church. You go to church. Well, big deal. Which one do you go? I go to whichever one that I think is the best for me and my family. Until they're not nice. And then I go to another one. <laughs> I decide that I'm from, you know. Do you decide whether you're American one week or not American? You got, I mean, what would happen? Could you imagine this? You know, you know what? I think I'm from Great Britain. I think I'm from Africa. I think I'm from where. What would happen if people live like that? It would be a bad deal. Everybody say church is a real thing. People go, well, you know, I don't really believe in the visible church. And if you would like to have that theological conversation you can have it with somebody who has time <laughs> have it with someone who's smart don't have it with me because i'm i'm so stupid i'll just say you 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 must have like a mental problem <laughs> okay i am so i understand you know how i know there's a real church that's visible because i go to one and i pastor one and i know who's in the church and who's not in the church and, and I believe that it's the silliest thing in the world. It's like the emperor with no clothes. We read this a kid's book, which I know you would not recommend probably. 
because the emperor doesn't have any clothes on. That's probably bad. But not, we're not selling that one back there, right? We have one called the emperor has clothes, right, in the back? <laughs> Modesty issues. Okay, so, so. But I'm saying, you guys know the story, right? You go, you know, it's, it's like this thing. It's like you'd have to be goofy to not know that the emperor has no clothes. Okay? Someone sells him the coolest, most best outfit on planet Earth. And it's made of invisible fabric and invisible thread. It's a, it's, a, it's a very silly story. And he goes around because he believes it as if he has on a beautiful outfit. Okay? It's, it's pretty stupid. But people, are, people will buy anything. I believe in the theoretical church. You know, whatever elders. I submit to elders. Yes, I do that. Well, which ones? Well, the ones that I feel. Do you, do you guys know people like this? If, if you do, just woe be unto you. Because I'm after you today. Well, I like to find, I like to search out the people that I feel are the most spiritual in my life. And those people I willingly submit to when times come. You know what I say to you? Oh, please. And, be, and, and what you do is you pick out new ones when you know the guys aren't going to follow. Well, you don't know me. Well, yeah, I do. I have a buddy who pastors out in California. Every time I try to tell him about a church issue, he finishes the story. He's pastored longer than I have. I said, how did you do that, Brother John? He goes, brother, he calls me Doc. He goes, Doc, the flesh is the same in California as it is in Ohio. And the flesh, for whatever reason, hates the church. You might go, well, well, now I think you're being a little strong. I don't. I'm going to talk to you about something that could be very controversial to you, but I'd like you to consider that maybe you've been brainwashed by, by a world who really doesn't believe in the church and you bought in hook, line, and sinker to their philosophy. And as a result, you really, in effect, live your life in complete denial that the church is a real thing. If I start talking to you about the necessity of formal membership in a church, some of your eyebrows may begin to, where does it say that in the Bible? Right next to the chewing gum passage. <laughs> Do you know our church has real walls? We really have grass, Trey, that needs to be cut. Did you know this? Do you guys have, do you guys, is there grass around here? We have real bills that need to be paid. And you know what we also have? We have real members at our church. Now, I'm going to move off of the, pract- of the practical side of this, and I'm going to get into some more fun stuff here in just a little bit if we have time. But I'll tell you a little story about this family, and, you know, if they ever get a hold of this tape, maybe they'll get saved. I don't know. <laughs> These people came to our church, and they were the best-looking, sweetest, godly. They had, they had stair-stepped kids, you know, and the guy earned lots of money and he was successful and they were the lovely, lovely families. And I would love to say their name because I believe their name is an allegory. I'm I'm serious. It's great. We met the, well, okay, I won't tell you their name. So they came to our church and we do this thing at our church. And when I say it, you may breathe in and go, oh, I can't believe it. You know, we say, we greet people and we say, so what are you guys here for today? Oh, if they say we're looking for a church or they just say, oh, we're driving through town, whatever. But if they say, you know, we are really looking for a church. You know, you know what I say, Tom? I go, just so you know, you're only allowed to visit our church for a little while. I say this. I know, people, this, this is going to be shocking to you. I'm not trying to tell you. It says this anywhere in the Bible. I'm just telling you this is what we do at our church. Is that okay? I say, you're not allowed to visit our church very long. You can visit for a little while. But after a while, you will either have to join our church or you will have to leave. And they go, oh, I've never heard anything so horrible in my life. I said, if you're around for a little while and you really are considering thinking of coming to our church, I said, I'll be asking you for some references. I had one guy go, I had one guy lean in and go, he said he wasn't from any church. He said, you know, whatever. He said, I said, well, where do you work? Could you tell me who your neighbors are? You know, and the guy's like, can we back up here? For he goes, did you just ask me for a, like a letter from my employer? Yeah, I did kind of scared him. He goes, I think this could be the weirdest place I've ever been in all my life. Now you might go, what are you talking about, Pastor Mark? You were talking, you were getting us excited about faith earlier. Now you're, you've gone off crazy. 
I believe in their real church. These people came to our church and they loved our church and they were around our church. But I told them on day one what the jig was. You cannot just come here and stand around and, you know, eat our food and sit in our pews and become friends and find, you're going to find, you're going to love our church. You'll love the people in our church. And that's finally what they came to understand. Like, like, we've never been to a church like this. We love this church. We think this is the greatest church we've ever been around. We love the people. I go, that's wonderful. They said, but now we don't believe in joining a church. So... You know, and somewhere along the line, I'm like, well, okay, well, maybe that'll change in a little while. But if it doesn't change, eventually, just so you know, if that doesn't change, the favorite church that you've ever found will be one you're not allowed to come to anymore. And they thought I was kidding. (laughs) And so more time went on, more time went on. And finally, they came and they said, you know what, we've been here long enough and we just love this church. And, And, you know, every week you guys gather and the people come up front and you pass out bread and wine and my kids are just really they're wanting to get in on this and and they want to be a part of this and and i'm like they do and i thought next is they're going to join the church and they said you know what we want to do that i go you do i go man i want you to be able to do that too you guys are you going to join the church are you gonna you go you mean you guys don't let people take communion no we don't we're evil our church is evil because i'm the dad I'm the pastor. I'm a, an elder. We, we make rules. You're not allowed to put chewing gum in your hair. That's that, we have rules like this. We actually don't have the chewing gum rule. But, but this is a little thing. You know, it's what we do. So the guy, he didn't like this. He said, well, none of his children were baptized. Him and his wife weren't. They were part of a church called the Evangelical Free Church. They were so free. They were free from baptism. They were free from membership. They were free from tithing. And you know what they were also free from? They were free from bringing any food to our meal that we had every week. I think I know what free stands for in evangelical free now. If you're EV free, just take it with a, take it with a grain of salt. Now, I don't know if that's what all evangelical free people believe, but they did. They were so mad. This guy, when I told him, when his day came and I said, well, you can't take communion. I'm sorry. This is, you know, we can't have unbaptized people and people don't belong to church. And like, this is not what we do. We explain this to you. Well, he finally got mad and he said, you know, this is the most unchristian like thing I've ever seen from anybody. I said, brother, there's a reason our church is beautiful. There's a reason that you want to be here. And I think it has something to do with this. And he couldn't get it. He could not get it for anything. But the Lord providentially, Brother Kevin, had done something in his life that I believe was a perfect example. So he was a homeschooling family guy. And they were, you know, good, clean, whatever, whatever. But his boys were uh, athletic. And they liked to play football. And so they happened to live in a district that had this incredible football team. So you know what he did? He had his kids play football. On the, on the high school football team, because you can do that. You guys know this? You can have your kids play in your school district. Yeehaw. And so they did. So I happened to know the name of the team, and I said, you know, I said, just, it hit me. I said, so what do they do over there? They, they play, he didn't know I had changed it. I wasn't, I was still on the same subject. He thought I was changing the subject. I said, tell me about your kids and their football. And he goes, oh, they love to play football. They play for the team. They do this. He told me about the he told me about the coach, and he told me about the practice, and he, he you know, and, and I, so, so I said, so, so do you play on whatever team you want to play on? So I asked him. Well, no, 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 we, we, we play for the team from our, our, our high school. Okay. And, and do, they, do they have any rules about practice? Oh, well, if you're not in practice, you can't, you can't play in the game on Friday night. I'm like, man, that is, that's a good rule. When I played football when I was a kid, it was the same thing. If, you, if you're too sick and you can't practice through the week, you don't get to play on Friday night. Anybody ever play football? Yep. Good rule, right? Is it in the Bible anywhere that you can't play football on Friday night if you don't practice all week? Might be a good question. It's not in the Bible, but still, somehow, these coaches are able to pull this off. I don't know. It's amazing. So we had this whole conversation. I said, brother, I said, here's where I've come to. I said, it seems to me that you're more serious about football than about the kingdom of God. You're taking it more serious. 
You buy your kids the uniform they're told to buy. They, they practice on the days that they're supposed to practice on. They play for the team and the position that the coach tells. I said, all that's totally okay with you. But I can't, as a man of God, who has the keys of the kingdom of heaven, to bind and loose things on heaven, I can't even ask you to bring a casserole. <laughs> You're rich and you've got plenty of money, but God forbid you would give your tithe to God I had a guy come to me one time and tell me, he said, I make too much money to tithe at the church. He was a member of the church. He was a new member. <laughs> he wasn't a member very long. So, so he, said, he said, I just want you to know, Pastor Mark, that I make too much money to tithe it in all one place. Have you, have you guys ever met anybody like this? Anybody ever seen I like to spread it around, you know. He said it, and I give in various different places, and, 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 and I think he was thinking I was going to be impressed, and I'm sitting there, and I'm a poor pastor of this little church, you know, and I'm looking at him, and, and uh, he said, and what I like to do is, he said, I take it and I put it in a savings account, and he goes, and you can come to me, and you can let me know about whatever it is that you'd like to do in the church, and I'll consider, brother, paying my tithe, and I said, Wow. I said, that is just the most amazing thing. I honestly cannot tell you what I said to that man. I can't do it. I would definitely get thrown out of this conference. I don't know if I can even paraphrase it. Basically... I helped him understand the error of his ways. <laughs> you know, people, I mean, you don't walk up to the policeman and go, I'm going to ride in the front of the car. In fact, I'm going to drive to the station. Why don't you do that? You do that because you know who he is and what authority he has. You respect it. But God forbid you respect your elders. Your elders come up to you, and I don't know you, brother, and I know who your elders are, and they go, you know what, I think that whatever, and you go, who do you think you are? Talk to me like that. Oh, I don't know. I'm an elder in the church of Jesus Christ who's been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven to bind and to loose on things on earth that will be bound in heaven. How about that? Yeah, I can't find you. I can't put you in jail. But I can turn you over to Satan for the destruction of your body. Is that going to work out better for you? Or do you just want a jail cell? Now, I know you guys go, oh, come on, Mark, you're getting carried away. Folks, I'm telling you right now, everybody say the church is real. And when you treat it like it's not real, when you decide where you're going to give your money, and you, and you decide, folks, when you give something to God, you give it to God. You don't decide how it's used. And decide if, if, you're, if your church is spiritual enough to handle all your big cash. God doesn't need your money, moron. <laughs> God, God's not impressed with you. God doesn't need you. God is going to conquer the world through his kingdom, and he'll do it through a bunch of people that are too poor, you know, to not tithe because they need to depend on God for their, for their every need. Folks, it's hard to enter the kingdom of God when you're important and you're big and you're, you know, everything's got to be just right for you. But, you know, regular people, humble people say, you know what, I'm going to be a part of an imperfect church. I mean, how many of you... Uh, just switched families. You know, I'm just, you know, I don't really appreciate my, You know, I wish my dad knew more Greek and Hebrew. And uh, I wish he chose the classical Christian method rather than the, you know, the other one. We just, at our house, we read a lot, Kevin. That's what we do. We don't, I don't know what, what we do. We do something kind of crazy, but... Um, you know, guys, do you know that families are going to just disappear? I did this whole thing on the great families. You know, the, you know, the queen and every relative was one of the kings of Europe. You know the history, right? You know the, the family, the Habsburgs, Queen Victoria. You know all the, do you know those families are gone? They're not ruling anywhere or anything. Countries and states, they'll fade out. There'll be a time when, you know, Nathaniel, what was Rhodesia or what is Rhodesia? You know, I don't know, you know. Different countries, different names. I, you know, one of the most, this is just a, you, can, you probably have this in five of your different books about history, but do you guys know that Germany only came to exist like in the 1800s? 
Like, this is something I wasn't really aware of. I thought it was ancient, like France or England, you know. But no, it's kind of a new, kind of a new thing. But, but they come, they go. They're the Prussians. They're the this. They're the that. They're the Ottomans. They're the whatever. There's a, you know, if you travel around the world, you'll find out there's always, these things are always changing. Right? But let me tell you what doesn't change. The kingdom of God the gates of hell will not prevail and it will not come to an end. It can't be overthrown by the devil. Nothing can stop it. It's real. It's powerful. And it has power. And if you don't take seriously the, the, that, uh, you know, whatever your local ch- church is or whatever your elders are, it's going to be different in every church. It's not a one size fit all. But my... my admonition to you today is to love the church believe that it's real take it seriously join one commit one to it we take vows there are people it's terrified we make them come up we don't well yeah i guess we do we do make them come up and they come up and they say i vow in the name of jesus that i will preserve the peace and the purity of this church i vow to support its leadership and when they do this later on what happens when things go bad you go Put your arm around him. Brother, do you remember that vow you made in front of God, in front of the whole church? Are you keeping that vow? I'll tell you what. It, it really creates... It, it, we have problems in all of our churches. But when you know if someone... You can't... Okay. All right. Do you know you cannot put someone out of what they're not in? You guys know this? Amen. Okay. Let me just get a little practical. Matt, the thing that, that occurred to me that made this very important is that there are all these commands in the scriptures about things that you're supposed to do that if you aren't part of one, you, you, can't, you can't do it. So you bring someone to the church if they're in sin. So if you don't have a church, how can you be brought to it? If they're in sin, they put them out of the church. If you're not in it, how can you be put out, right? You follow me? Right? In Matthew 18, moreover, if your brother trespass against thee, what happens if he won't listen? If he neglects to hear it, tell it to the... If he neglect to hear the... Let him be to thee as a heathen. If he doesn't listen to the church, well, how can he listen to the church if he's in the church? Can, is, can the church speak to you? You know what? If you don't have a church that can discipline you and deal with you, do you know what you are? You are like a, a kid who's living out there with no mom and no dad. And you go, oh, no, that's not me. We're, we're good. It's not so. You need spiritual authority in your life, even if it's bad. You go, oh, that's not true. Yes, it is. Because you're bound to have bad spiritual authority. You might have me as your pastor. You might have Anthony as your pastor. Are you perfect, brother? Have you always understood the motives of your people? Have you always gotten everything right? How about as a dad? But you're probably perfect as a dad, right? Now, your kids still love you and they're still your kids. I, I met your daughter. One of you, you have a couple daughters back there. What among my daughters? They seem joyful, yeah. happy. They love you. Are they under any impression that you're the perfection of everything? I mean, maybe they don't know yet because they're only like 17. But <laughs> what are they going to find out? They're fully aware. They're, they're fully aware. How about your kids? Uh, they're doubly aware. <laughs> so because they become aware of it, I mean, guys, God hasn't called us to be a part of perfect churches, but, but we are part of them. The context of your life in your family is so you can be a part of the church of the living God. It's the training ground for the big show, you know? 1 Corinthians 5, purge out the leaven that you may be a new lump. You can't put out what you're not in. Hebrews 13, obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves for they watch for your souls that they give account. May do it with joy, not with grief. Bring the tithes into the storehouse. You can't do that if there's no storehouse. There's a whole thing in 1 Timothy about what to do with widows. And when you have this talk with people, are like, well, so which widows? There's a lot of widows. How many widows are there in Indiana? Right? There's a lot of them. I mean, if, if, it was, if God called you, brother, to take care of all the widows in Indiana, how, how would that work out for you? Impossible. Right? You, to do all of them in the county. You can't. But which ones can you help? The ones in your church. God's called you to do that. You know, rebuke not an elder and treat him as a father. Younger men as brethren. Elder women as mothers. Younger sisters. Honors the widows that are widows indeed. If any of the widow have children or nephews, let them first show pity at home. 
uh, and to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable. You know, and she goes on. She's a widow indeed. She's desolate. She's desolate. She trusts in God. She continues in her supplications. You go on down after these, you know, qualifications of her godly living. It says verse 8, but if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he's denied the faith and worse than an infidel. Let not the widow be taken into the number. In the number of what? People would argue, well, there's no biblical basis for it. Taken into the number. They, they had a number. You either are a widow and you're a part of the church or you are not. You either one who can be cared for. When the Bible talks about how you're supposed to uh, treat elders or obey elders or even take care of them and honor them. You know, one day, Brother Kevin's going to get old. Like next year, you'll be old, right? And you know what? The Bible says we're going to honor him and we're going to double honor him and we're going to care for him. Who? Just Christians in general will hope the people from New Zealand will come up and be nice to him? No, where he served. All right. You go through the scriptures and it talks about the poor. It talks about church courts. What's the Bible say about church courts? Don't I dare you to take them to the regular court, right? Where should you take people? If you if they're Christians, where do you take them? Church. Church court. You guys got a church court? Oh, I just saw some eyebrows. You know you can't do what God's word says in the context you're living, you might go, I might need a new context. God says to take him to the church court. I don't even belong to anything where there is a church court. There's nobody higher than me. You know, I'm so thankful. I grew up in a church where the pastor owned the building. He was in charge of everything. And when he got older, he passed it to his son. Like a business. Now, I'm all about generational faithfulness and that and I hope my sons take up the mantle of the work of God that I do I hope they did but let me tell you right now the church of Jesus Christ is not a a business owned by Mark Robinette and you know what Uh, kings the whole idea of kings and kingdom works out good as long as there is a benevolent king but right but what happens when another king arises who knows not Joseph (laughs) right yeah, Brother Rich knows what I'm talking about. When a man rules the church, right? And then a bad man comes along. I live this out. I live this out in my life. My family brought literally over 200 people to Christ in my home church growing up. Discipled them in our home. They were part of our church. And our pastor got old and he went and he took a, a post in the national mission field. It was wonderful. We loved that man. But they sent a new guy from somewhere, Scott. And you know what he did? He destroyed our church. He made my family leave. My family, it was, it was horrendous. How could he do it? He had the power. Was there a court for him to go to? Was there appeal for me and my family? No. Our church had 57 acres and a beautiful building and he saw money. And he thought if I can get everybody to leave, I'll just own it all. It's a long story. I'll tell it to you. But I'll tell you what. When I started having a church, I said, you know, I, I try to be a good pastor. I try to love my people. But I don't ever want my church to be in that kind of danger. I want there to be a plurality of elders. I want there to be accountability. I want there to be a court to, that, that, of appeal. We were dealing with a man in a horrible situation. And what he did was wretched. This was just a couple weeks ago. And in the middle of it, we're there and we're crying. And, and I'm telling him what we're doing to him. And I said, brother, you know what? I said, if you feel like we're treating you unfairly. I said, let me lead you to my presbyters. And if they say that what I've done is wrong, and if they say that what we're doing is too harsh, I'll be the first to, to obey and submit to my elders. Men, if you don't have elders that you submit to, don't be surprised if your, your wives and your children don't submit to you. If you can't show them an example where you obey your elders, and the best examples happen is when your elders are wrong. When they come to you and they tell you you should do something, and you do it even though they're wrong. Is it, is it ever, you ever done that? Amen. Yes. Praise God. Praise God you have some bad elders. <laughs> and some good ones, but they were wrong, right? They were wrong, right there. They were wrong. Do you know what? It's, it's okay. I mean, you're not always right, but you're dad. I'm not always right, but God's given me my role in my church. I play it. Before God, I do my best. And you know what? I am held accountable by the elders of my presbytery. And you might go, this is not a real exciting topic. I'll tell you when it gets exciting, when you have a problem in your church. Because, brother, I don't know your name, your tags turn around. I'll tell you this. Justin. 
If you try to get what you need after you need it, you're done. It's not time to make the court. I've seen this happen. They're in a situation that we're going to make a court, really, and we're going to develop rules now. That's not the time to develop rules and have a court. It's before the offense happens. It's before you find yourself in trouble. It's before your church is falling apart and you don't know what to do about it because there's nothing that can be done. You can't go to your people and say, hey, I've talked to my elders and this is what they've told me to do. You know what? They may not be right, but I believe in listening to those people that God has put over me, just like you're asking them to do to you, right? You can't ask them if you don't do it. I praise God for the times my elders were wrong. And you know why I do? Because my wife watched me listen to them. And I, I will look at right my wife and I say, honey, I might be as wrong as those elders were when they did me that way. But, but I knew that they were the voice of God for me. All right, you ready for a little fun, good stuff? And then I'll quit because I know it's about dinner time. You ready? The church is a real thing. Now, the church is, this is a real thing in a good way. I go to a real church. Okay? And when I say a real church, I'm not talking about the walls. I'm not talking about the building. I'm talk, talking about our, our silly rules we got. We got rules, you know. Some are good, some are bad. Whatever, it's going to be different in every church. That's okay. But you better have some. But our church, Brother Trey, and you know what? I could go now. I'm not, I won't do it. But, but I tell you what. When you see people of God become a body of Christ to minister to people. Mm. That's some good stuff. I mean, the Bible says it, but most of us don't believe it. We still are in this mindset of church is something we attend, but not something that Christ has knit us together in, in love, and, and grafted us together and made us part. In fact, a lot of pastors think, I am the eyes and the mouth and the ears and the hands and the feet, and if everyone would just walk behind me, that's not the body of Christ. The Bible said, if, you know, if, if there were one guy that was everything, then there wouldn't be a body. He said, we are members. You can read this in Romans 12 and in 1 Corinthians 12. You guys know it? Read it. He says, I will tell you what. There's a whole bunch of us, but we're not just one. I love like the pastor was talking about earlier, Pastor Kevin. He was talking about we're, we're a body of Christ. God deals with us in a corporate way. It is the body of Christ that's saving the world. It's the body of Christ that is the kingdom of God. It's this living thing that God has made that is marching through the earth, crushing the head of Satan. Does see what's wrong with the message of the prosperity movement is they think that as individuals, they're just going around crushing the devil. But the power of the church is not in Mark Robinette or Kevin Swanson or in you. It is in this body that Christ has made. And it's a powerful thing. I'll give you an example of this beautiful thing. We saw it one day. Our church has learned to be a body. I've learned that in our church, there are people that are more discerning than me. There are people that are wiser than, than I am. There are people that can hear better than me. I mean, it's almost like what the Bible says is true. That some people in the church are ears. And some people are eyes. Right? It's almost like it's true. Because it is. I'm telling you, if you start, you will start, if you're a pastor, if you're a leader in the church, your job is to recognize who these people are and listen to them. We'll have someone visit the church and I know who the discerners are in our church and, and I will go to these discerners and I'll say, so what was that like? And they'll go to Creek Factor 10. And I'll go over to this other person and I'll say, what was that like for you? Creek Factor 11. I don't ever need to see that person again. Why? Because they're always right. And you go, well... That's a little harsh, a little judgmental. It's not when you've been a body for a while. It's not when that person is gone. You know, this person came in the church. They gave me this horrible, wretched feeling, and I felt uncomfortable around them. You're like, oh, I'm being a busy body. Yeah, just they don't look like you think they should. And you dismissed them. You guys ever do this to your wife? Oh, come on, you do too. You think you know better than her? Until she's right 85 million times in a row, and finally you go, that's it. Whatever she tells me, I'm just going to believe it. Come on, brother, strap your smile. Look at me. Oh, he's got it, he's got it. <laughs> Do you know what the church is like this? God has given gifts to the church. Now, people don't utilize them and they don't believe it because they don't believe the church is real. But if you, you can have this. We do have this at our church. Our church is like this organism. Come, if you need healing and love, I'm serious. Come visit our church. Our people will love you. You won't even know what's happening to you. You won't even know how it happened. You'll be like, what in the world's happening? And you can only visit for a little while, then you gotta leave. Okay. <laughs> I'm not advertising for our church. I would recommend you all stay exactly where you are. 
Uh, people from our church have asked me, please quit bringing people to our church that are crazy. <laughs> they follow you home from wherever you've been. They're like, it's going to be a great church. And then we just can't wait till they leave. I'm like, okay, I'll behave myself. But we went to the abortion mill. This is a little story. I'll tell this little story. Went to the abortion mill. And when we go to the abortion mill, Brother Scott, uh, you know, we don't have a person and that's their thing. Sometimes we just all go, right? So we all load up and we go to the abortion mill together. And, and so everyone's doing what they can do. Some person's good at singing. So they stand out there and they think about music and they bring songbooks and they bring words. And they organize the people and they stand on the sidewalk and they sing really loud so the people inside can hear them. And the people, there's some people that can hold songbooks and some people can sing and they're doing it. And they're like, a mighty fortress is our God. You know? and, and, so, uh, uh, and so, I, so on this one day, like God let me see it all together. So, so I brought my little son down there, Big Val. He's, he's my uh, adopted African-American son, and it's his fourth birthday. And I'm holding him in my arms, and I'm like, you know, we're going to do, do something for him for his birthday today. But, of course, you know, the church is going down to the abortion mill. We're going to go together. I'm holding him in my arms. And I'm thinking, how can Val be used of the Lord today? And Scott, it occurs to me, it's his birthday. And you know what? His mother was bringing him to the abortion mill to kill him when someone at the abortion mill said, don't do it. Let him be adopted. And that's how he became my son. Now, you'd think that might have been in my mind that day. But yeah. <laughs> so I got a big Val in my arm and it's his birthday. And the Lord brings this to my mind that I'm like, wow. Like, I've got the greatest prop in the history of mankind. <laughs> These women that are like stiff arming me and don't want to talk to me, what are they going to say when Big Val goes, ah, you know? And so, so that's what we do, okay? So, so they're singing, and our church people are hovering around. We found that when you go to the abortion mill, that they that they don't want to look at us, and they want to look down. So a bunch of our kids from the church, I don't think this way. I'm not artistic. I can't do it. They're like, let's write things in color with colorful chalk on the thing. And when they're looking down and looking away from us, they're like, Jesus loves you. Please don't hurt your baby. Uh, this kind of stuff. And so they're, they're coloring on the ground, you know. And I'm like, I'm like, can you see what I'm starting to see? This would happen to me one day, I'm telling you. So we're singing in the front. I'm holding Big Val. They're coloring things on the sidewalk together. And this woman pulls up and she goes to get out. And I'm like, and I get over there and I'm like, I'm like, man, I said, would you like to meet my son? It's his birthday today. And she's like, you know, her eyes like me, you know, like, whoa, I was really what? I'm used to wanting to scream at people, but I can't scream at Big Val. He's too cute. Val is the cutest little kid you've ever seen. Sorry. I said, it's Val's birthday. I said, did you know that Big Val, his mother, and I told her the story. Did you know Big Val's mother was coming to a place just like this? And somebody said, we're not here to yell at you and call you names and tell you you're horrible. But Val has something he wants to say to you. I am so mean. I did this to him. And he goes, please don't hurt your baby. Oh. <laughs> That woman began to cry. And I was like, oh, God's using my little boy. His story of his life, the story of his suffering, the story of his beginning. And I'm saying, like, wait a minute, I got singers up here. I got big vows stopping the girl. And so while I'm here, I'm talking to the girl. And a woman walks up from our church and she comes up and she goes, you know, I noticed that you look like you're almost nauseous. And I'm thinking, what, I scare her that bad? Yeah. And she recognized the woman was pregnant and she was nauseous. And she goes, hey, I got some crackers for you. And this woman had had an abortion earlier on in her life. And she was able to come and hand crackers to this girl. And the girl's eating crackers. And, and then another girl from our church, she had these little tiny babies, you know, these little things the size. But she said, how far along are you? I'm, I'm so many weeks. And she gets the little, the little deal, the little, this is what your baby looks like. And then another person from the church comes by. And I, I was watching it. I'm like, man, here's what? Here, I said, this is what a body is like. I can't, I can't put my arm around this little girl and, and pray with her. She, I'm a big guy. I'm probably a little bit scary. You know? But they, they hey, could you want to come over here and talk? And the, these ladies took her over there. They loved on her. And, this, and, and you know Jonathan, right? He's, you know. He's, he's a brainiac, he's a, you know, and he's figuring out, okay, let's find the place she can go, and where can they do an ultrasound, and what services can we provide? And he's like, God, he's, God, he's ready to you know. And in that moment, I saw this great picture, Brother Scott, of what a church can be when God takes people and knits them together. And you go, I don't know, any, I don't know what that's about. That's about what the miraculous power of the church is. You see, any one of the members is not much. 
But what God does with us is He knits us together in this beautiful thing and He makes us powerful. And what we bind on earth. It's not just what me and Kevin and the elders in the back room decide is good, bad going to happen. I believe the powers of heaven are, are loosed and bound by the prayers of the saints by the church that is committed to losing their identities in, of their own identities and finding an identity in the church of Jesus Christ and saying what happens to me isn't so important. I'm part of this greater, this more beautiful and wonderful thing that is the church. So yeah, I can rope you in. I can show you an argument where you're stupid, you know. But I'm telling you, I'd rather point you to the beauty of the church than the stupidity that's in your mind. And I'm telling you that if you can give yourself to Christ and you can, you can be, you know, there's one Lord, one faith, right? One baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. And there's one church, the body of him that fills all in all. And that one body, folks, I'm telling you, is made up of many members. Church is a real thing. It's a real thing. Amen? Amen. Amen. I know we've gone over time and I'm... I just was. I couldn't just. I couldn't just be silly with you and talk to you about all that other stuff. I want to tell you about the beauty of the church. If you want to know what the beauty of the church is, ask God to reveal it to you, to show it to you, to help you understand how indeed you can be a part of that. And I'll tell you, you won't be a part of that being filled with pride. You won't be a part of that going around demanding that everybody's rules line up to what you think. Find a church and go. Find a bad church. If you don't have any church, just go to a church and ask God to. Maybe you going there will make it a good one. The last Shepherds Conference, this guy was telling us, he said, he told me about these churches and he goes, well, they lack this and they don't have this. And I'm like, really? I said, and he was the church that offered him the most, Brother Scott, that's what he wanted. He was trying to determine the church that offered him the most. I said, which church would benefit from you the most? That's what I asked him. I don't know which church he joined. I didn't follow up with him to find out. But oftentimes we think what church has the most to offer us instead of asking ourselves what we might have to offer the church. Let us pray. Lord God, these are some good men. And Lord, I believe that they are the members of the church. And and, and I know there's a visible and invisible church, but... Today, we needed to be reminded, Lord, about the visible part of it and help us to see where we have kicked against the pricks, where we have rebelled against you by refusing to submit where we should to submit in the church. Lord, help us, Lord, to see your power and authority. And you know what? The church isn't going to make us do it. The state will. Your mom and dad will do it. But the church isn't going to make you join it. But Lord, I pray that we would see the beauty of it, that we would come inside, that we would submit ourselves willingly, and that we would be incredible members of the church of Jesus Christ by the power of your spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.